everybody. Welcome to the live morning devotional. I'm trying to switch you on on this side. <laughs> okay, so today I just want to speak of the shadow of the Almighty. I want to speak of the secret place. And um, there we go on YouTube. Um, so it's just something that's on my heart. So there, always in the... In the Old Covenant, there's a, a pattern of something that is fulfilled in the New. Jesus came to fulfill everything that was written of him in the volume of the book, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. And uh, Jesus came, uh, was it verse 7? And Jesus came and did exactly what he saw the Father do. And he came and said exactly what he heard the Father say. And Moses had visions from God. And he, he built certain things as a prophetic action, as a pattern of things to come. And he did it exactly after the pattern that was showed him on the mountain. So God said to Moses exactly how to make the tabernacle. <clears throat> With the outer court and the holy place and the holy of holies and the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. And there was certain furniture that had to be there. You know, there was the table of showbread and there was the, the brazen altar. And there was, you know, the, the ark of the covenant with the winged creatures and the mercy seat. And underneath was the, uh, inside the ark was the tables of stone and the rod of Aaron that budded and the pot of manna. And all of those things is a pattern or a shadow of things to come. So there are greater things following the pattern. So we don't stick, get stuck at the pattern and keep on focusing on the ark or on the temple or on the tabernacle itself. Because that is idolatry. But when the real thing that was foreshadowed comes, then the old thing has kind of lost its value. The old thing doesn't need to be there because it is superseded by that which it foreshadowed, by that of which it was a prophetic action or a prophetic sign. All right, so... Oh, yes, I forgot to greet you. Hello, Trish. <laughs> hello, Mon, Pa, Vessels. Hello, Ma, Ruasa. And hello, Greg. It's good to see you. Okay, so, so it's, it's not about, when we read about these things in the old, all of that is because of certain things to come. And it gives us a picture to look at so that we can see what they saw in the Spirit. All right, so... Jesus said, for instance, I only do what I see my father do. Now we can see what he saw. He healed the sick. He preached, he taught, he healed. So now we do what we see the father do by looking at Jesus. As he was sent by the father, so we were sent by Jesus. So we need to do the same works that he did and even greater works because he revealed what he saw. So Moses came and he revealed what he saw 
And Jesus came and fulfilled everything that Moses said about him and that was written about him. Yeah. Now we have a mandate to walk in the fruit of what Jesus fulfilled from the writings of Moses. So as Jesus came with signs and wonders and miracles, fulfilling that was written in, that what was written in Moses' writings, now we come and we just yield to Jesus and do the same works that Jesus did. If we now get stuck with Moses, we make the cross of no effect. And then our faith action is, in, is not in what Jesus has done, but in trying to do what Jesus has done. And it's essentially uh, making it powerless, yeah. making it of no effect. Okay, so I want to stand still a little bit in Hebrews chapter 9. But before we do, I just want to read something of Hebrews chapter 8. Okay. Okay, so it says here, verse 5, These offer services merely as a pattern and as a foreshadowing of what had its true existence and reality in the heavenly sanctuary. So there's a heavenly sanctuary. What does the heavenly sanctuary look like? Well, we'll see in a minute, because Moses made it exactly according to what he saw. For when Moses was about to erect the tabernacle, he was warned by God, saying, See to it that you make it all exactly according to the copy which was shown to you on the mountain. That means if he didn't make it exactly according to the copy which was shown to him on the mountain, it wouldn't be God's tabernacle. It wouldn't be God's ark. It had to be exactly what he saw. Now, just in... Um, just for interest's sake, after they came back from Babylonian captivity, when they rebuilt the temple, the temple that Herod funded, basically, um, it wasn't exactly according to the pattern. The ark looked different. They had these massive uh, statues of Jeroboam, but it wasn't exactly according to what God showed Moses. And you never read of the glory filling that temple. There was nothing going on in that time. There was just silence in that time. No glory, no nothing. Okay. All right. But as it now is, he, Christ, has acquired a priestly ministry which is as much superior to and more excellent than the old as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior and more excellent. Because it is enacted and rests upon more important, sublimer, higher, and noble, prom nobler promises. So, uh, he is a priest of a different covenant, of a different agreement. So, he replaces the Levitical priesthood. That couldn't go anywhere. If you read the whole book of Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews speaks about the priesthood, speaks about the fact that we have a high priest in the real Holy of Holies, in the real tabernacle, of which these things were just pictures to show us what God was about to do. You can see it in Hebrews 8 verse 1. Now the main point of what we have to say, this is the whole point of the book of Hebrews. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. 
So it's all about him being the priesthood. So now there's a different priesthood. Hebrews chapter 6 says, where the, or Hebrews, I can't remember, seven, 6 and 7, says, if there is a change of priesthood, there must be a change of law. Okay, so there's a change of law. There's a change of covenant. Yeah. All right. So the new is more excellent than the old. The new priesthood is more excellent than the old because it rests on greater and better and more nobler promises, which came before the covenant was made with Moses. All right. So this, all of this was spoken of even before the law came, but the law was an important step towards the goal. The law came so that Jesus could fulfill the the, the mandate he got from the Father, okay, which is to die for the sins of the world. No law, no punishment, and no blood of Christ. Okay. Verse 7. For if that first covenant had been without defect, there would have been no room for another one or an attempt to institute another one. However, he finds fault with them. With what? With the covenant, the writings in the covenant. Showing its inadequacy when he says, Behold, the days will come, says the Lord, when I will make and ratify a new covenant, an agreement with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will, it will not be like the covenant that I made with their forefathers on the day when I grasped them by the hand to help and relieve them and lead them out from the land of Egypt. For they did not abide in my agreement with them, so I withdrew my favor and disregarded them. So it will not be like that one. His favor will not depart because of our disobedience. Okay? Verse 10. <clears throat> you know, he cannot deny himself. If we are faithless, he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. You know? Now it says, verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with them, with the house of Israel after those days, says, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their minds and upon their innermost thoughts and understanding and engrave them upon their hearts. That means what was in the ark of the covenant now is in you. It was, there was the table, uh, the, the, the tablets of stone with the law engraved on it, on the innermost part of the ark. Now you become the ark dwelling under the shadow of the winged creatures, and the law is written on the tables of your heart. Okay, so you become a walking, talking ark of the covenant. Okay? And understanding and engrave them upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And it will never, never more be necessary for each one to teach his neighbor and his fellow citizen, or each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me, from the smallest to the greatest. For I will be merciful and gracious toward their sins. So why will we know him? Because he will be merciful and gracious towards our sins. If we don't receive the mercy, they will always be stuck in sacrifices. <laughs> so Jesus' ministry is mercy. So you can't just look at, keep on looking at the law, the pattern, which is judgment. Jesus came to take the judgment so that he could give us mercy. So he, he absorbed all the judgment, but he gives us mercy. For I'll be merciful and gracious toward their sins, and I will remember their deeds of unrighteousness no more. When God speaks of a new covenant or agreement, he makes the first one obsolete and out of use. And what is obsolete and out of use and annulled because of age is ripe for disappearance 
and to be dispensed with all together. He made it obsolete. Obsolete means there's no need for it. It's not absolute, it's obsolete. Big difference. <laughs> okay, so if something is obsolete, it's like a 1983 computer. Because something better has come, the old one has no function anymore. You may, maybe use it as a doorstop if you want, but there are better things to use as that, you know? And maybe there's some technology museum that can use it, maybe to show how the computers were in those days, but the 1983 computer is not going to do anything for you today, yeah. even if it's working perfectly. Okay? Right, so it's obsolete because something better came. And if something better came, the old one can be dispensed with altogether. All right? So, now even the first covenant. Now it's talking about the first covenant, about the pattern, about the old. All right? Had its own rules and regulations for divine worship. Oh my goodness, at the time. And it had a sanctuary, but one of this world. So when the Bible speaks of one of this world, think Jerusalem in that day. In that day okay? and this world, which was then destroyed by a fire, 2 Peter chapter 3. Okay? If you think of this, the end time series. Okay, So it's a sanctuary, but one of this world. It's a natural thing. It's a pattern. It's showing forth something that is to come. But in itself, it has no real value. For a tabernacle was erected in the outer division and compartment, of which were the lampstand and the table and the loaves of the showbread set forth. This portion is called the holy place. But inside, beyond the second curtain of the veil, there stood another tabernacle or a division known as the holy of holies. Now that in itself is a picture also. All right? So, um, so there's a holy place and there's a holy of holies, but there's a veil in between. There's a separation. It had the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenants covered with wrought gold. The Ark contained a golden jar which held the manna and the rod of Aaron that sprouted and the two stone slabs of the covenant bearing the Ten Commandments. Above the Ark and overshadowing the mercy seat were the representations of cherubim, winged creatures which were the symbols of glory. We cannot now go into detail about these things. It's not because he didn't have in any more paper to write on. It's not because he didn't have any more time, because he took his time writing this. He says we cannot now go into detail about these things. And you, you need to refer to Jeremiah 3 verse 15 and onwards, where he says... Uh, let's just read it quickly and, and then we go on. So don't put too much emphasis on this. Verse 15, And I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart in the final time who will feed you with knowledge and understanding and judgment. And it shall be that when you have multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, they shall no more say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind, nor shall they seriously remember it, nor shall they miss it or revisit it, nor shall it be repaired 
that means it must have been broken. Or made again, that means it must have been destroyed. For instead of the ark, which represented God's presence, he will show himself to be present throughout the city. So God made, brought the ark so that people can see a picture. But when Jesus fulfilled the picture, he said, I myself will be present in the city. Who's the city? All those who believe. We are the city, the light of the world. The city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are the city. We have come to Mount Zion, Hebrews chapter 12, to the church of the firstborn, to angels in festal gathering, to the spirits of the saints made perfect. So we are the city. And he will show himself to be present throughout the city. So we cannot now go into detail about these things. We cannot now make this the focus. It's just a picture to show what we are supposed to walk into in the true thing in the Spirit. Okay? So he says, these arrangements having thus been made, the priests, priests enter habitually into the outer division of the tabernacle in performance of their ritual acts of worship. I'm back in Hebrews 9, verse 6, verse 7. But into the second division of the tabernacle none but the high priest goes and he only once a year and never without taking a sacrifice of blood with him which he offers for himself and for the errors of sins of ignorance and thoughtlessness which the people have committed now i want you to see this the priests go into the holy place all the time and they offer the sacrifices and they go out and they come in they go out offer sacrifice 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 sacrifices but once a year the high priest goes beyond the veil into the second part, into the, the Holy of Holies and offers one sacrifice that uh, brings the forgiveness of sins for the people for a whole year. That's a pattern. Many sacrifices, many sacrifices, which is superseded by one sacrifice. That was the practice in the tabernacle. That's the pattern. Jesus fulfilled the pattern. The pattern... That was fulfilled in the temple. There were many sacrifices. And Jesus went into the true holy of holies with blood, not his own. And he, uh, 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 with, with his own blood, he says, saying these words, this is the blood, verse 20, that seals and ratifies the agreement, which God, uh, that's the, uh, sorry, that's the sealing of the law. Okay, verse 24, sorry. For Christ has not entered into a sanctuary made with human hands. Do you see the real thing? Only a copy or a pattern or a type of the true one. But he has entered into heaven itself now to appear in the very presence of God on our behalf. Nor did he enter into the heavenly sanctuary to offer himself regularly again and again as the high priest enters the Holy of Holies every year with blood not his own. For then would he often have had to suffer over and over again since the foundation of the world. But as he now is, he has once for all at the consummation of the close of the ages appeared to put away and abolish sin by the sacrifice of himself. So the pattern that the priests adhered to were sacrifices in the holy place once a year, High priest goes and brings a big sacrifice. Okay, so that in itself shows to Christ the old sacrifices in the temple. And here comes Jesus going into the true Holy of Holies, offering himself once for all, ending all the sacrifices. So they even acted out the whole thing before Jesus came, and they did not recognize it. Okay, but now it says, verse 8, and this is why we need to see this to understand um, 
to understand the new. He says, this, by this the Holy Spirit points out that the way into the true holy of holies is not yet thrown open as long as the former, the outer portion of the tabernacle remains a recognized institution and is still standing. So verse 9 says in the King James, which uh, verse 8 King James, the Holy Ghost does this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Right, so... The, now they, they, the uh, holy place and the holy of holies becomes the parable. If you keep on looking at the holy place, the way into the true holy of holies is not yet open. Okay, But Jesus came opening it up. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9 and 20. By, he opened a fresh new living way by the power of the blood of Jesus through the separating curtain that is through his flesh. So he opened up this fresh new living way into the true holy of holies. But if we look to the first one, the way is not open. So if we go with sacrifices, we miss the one sacrifice. If we go with what must I do to make atonement for sin, then you miss what has Jesus done to make atonement for your sin. What must I do to make it better? You just missed what Jesus did for you to make it better. If you look to yourself, you're stuck in the old tabernacle. What must I do? What more must I do? Is there something that I'm doing wrong because nothing is working out? Exactly what you're saying now is what you're doing wrong. You're looking to yourself, looking to change something about what you do. The sick are not getting healed. What am I doing wrong? Why am I not? Hey, that's why you're looking to yourself. But if you look to him, his sacrifice, boom, the way is open. And you just step in. And from within, you just minister. You just lay your hands. So now, your hands become the channel that, can, that gives connection to the sick person from within the secret place. If your eyes are focused on the cross, which is the door, and you open in, you, you walk into the, the open door. <laughs> you open in. You walk in t- through the open door. And now you stretch out your hands. It's like your hands are coming through the veil and you boom, and the power of God comes. But your attention needs to be on the true Holy of Holies. So you need to understand what Jesus came to do. And because of what Jesus came to do, we have access. Use your access. Okay, so we need to step into this whole thing. So verse 10, Hebrews chapter 9 says, For the ceremonies deal only with clean and unclean meats and drinks and different washings and mere external rules and regulations for the body imposed to tide the worshippers over until the times of, of setting things straight, of reformation, the complete new order, when Christ the Messiah shall establish the reality of what these things foreshadow. That's what he came to do at the cross. And then since from the cross to 70 AD, all the old stuff was removed and finally removed in 70 AD, destroyed and completely taken out of the way. Verse 11, but that appointed time came when Christ appeared as a high priest of the better things that have come and are to come. Then through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is not part of the material creation. So the material version of it was just to give you a picture that you step into a place, 
a spiritual place under the shadow of the winged creatures in heaven. And before you is the mercy seat. Now, if we just jump to, oh my goodness, the time. If we just quickly jump to Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. He says, where is it? Okay, since all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and the glory which God receives, uh, all are justified and made upright and, and right standing with God freely gratuitously by His grace. Now he says, verse 25, whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and a propitiation by His blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. So if you can see the picture, you can enter. So you see the picture of Jesus on the cross. What are you seeing? You are seeing the very mercy seat. You are seeing the very source of God's power. So you are seeing the sacrifice once for all that was presented on the mercy seat under the shadow of the cherubim. Okay, that's Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, you can take it to Revelation. Revelation chapter 4 says, And after this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard addressing me like the calling of a war trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place in the future. Okay? So come up here. All right? Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And there between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Come up through the door. What did you see? Between the throne, in the midst of the throne and the the people, he saw a lamb standing as though it has been slain. So you don't get to sit in the throne if you don't come to the sacrifice, the lamb. Okay? So a lamb standing as though it has been slain with seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Sevenfold Holy Spirit. Seven horns referring to the horn of the anointing. Seven eyes all seeing God. Okay. Spiritual vision. It's not describing a monster. Okay who have been sent on duty far and wide into all the earth. And then he took a scroll in his right hand. Okay, so the scroll is Jesus, the person, the, the gospel right, the written inside and on the out, and the, and the opening of the seals is the crucifixion of Jesus, and the scroll was opened the gospel. All right, so what I want to place your attention of is this picture was foreshadowed in the law. But Jesus came to bring the fulfillment. Now when we read about it in the law, we see some glimpses of what it really looks like. So you can enter in. Okay? So uh, we don't just go, you know, they, forget the whole protocol of, you know, worshiping, you know, out of court, worshiping. And then, you know, you get a little bit more into it and there's the holy place and then the holy of holies. No. You're either out or in. In the new, you're either out or in. How do you get in? Believe in the blood of Jesus. Look to the cross. That's why you, we just, um, we don't recognize the old. We don't recognize all the protocol. 
what we recognize is the sacrifice that ended all the protocol. We saw the, the pattern of how Jesus came and fulfilled everything and he went in once for all. You are supposed to now just be inside. But if you look, look to all the protocol, what you're going to do is you're going to look to the first tabernacle and the way is not open. Okay? So there's one thing to look at, and that's the door. And that's the cross. And that's, that's the sacrifice. And when you see the sacrifice, you see the throne. And you're in that very place, under the shadow of the Almighty, on top of the mercy seat. Jesus became a mercy seat. On the mercy seat, the mercy covers the law. So it satisfies the wrath of the law, the, the sacrifice. Which means the law was fulfilled and you don't have to look to it. Even in the old, if they lifted up Afrikaans, if Daxel, I don't yeah, it's a mercy seat, and they looked inside, they would die. If you looked at the stone tablets directly, they would die. Well, even if they just touched the thing, they died. I mean, there's uh, Uzzah that, you know, they carried the, the ark back. David let the ark come back, and they didn't carry it according to how they should have. It was on the back of a wagon, and there was a rock, and the thing went like this, and Uzzah just tried to stop it from falling off, and bam, he was dead. Because this perfect sacrifice wasn't, wasn't brought yet, so the presence of God broke through to him and killed him. But now the sacrifice has been brought. The way is open. Now we go into the real thing, not to a box. We don't worship a golden box. So, sorry, it's not in Ethiopia. And they're never going to rebuild the temple. That's idolatry. But God will show himself to be present in the midst of the city. The real Ark of the Covenant is you. You are a walking, talking, holy of holies. You are a walking, talking seat of the presence of God. Wherever you go, he goes. You are his body. Okay. You know, you were created so that God could dwell in you. you were, he made you with his hands. He didn't want to dwell in something made with our hands. Okay. All right, so... He went in once for all into the Holy of Holies of Heaven, not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves, by which to make reconciliation between God and man, but His own blood, having found and secured a complete redemption and everlasting release for us. For if the mere sprinkling of unholy and defiled persons with blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the purification, or heifer, is the, su sufficient for the purification of the body, how much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by the virtue of His eternal Spirit, has offered himself as an uh, unblemished sacrifice to God, purify our consciences from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. Christ is therefore the negotiator and the mediator of an entirely new agreement, a testament, so that those who are called and offer it may receive the fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance. The promised everlasting inheritance. Man, that is everything is, of that is in the Spirit. Since a death has taken place, which rescues and delivers and redeems them from the transgressions committed under the old. You have been rescued from the wrath of the law. 
For where there is a last will and testament involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. So it's the last will and testament. So the death rescued us from the old and it gave us the new. Because it enacted the New Testament. For a will and testament is valid and takes effect only at death, since it has no force or legal power as long as the one who made it is alive. Okay. So the, even the first covenant, God's will, was not inaugurated and ratified and put in force without the shedding of blood. For when every command of the law had been read out by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of slain calves, calves and goats together with a water and scarlet and wool and bunch of hyssop and sprinkled both the book uh, itself and all the people, saying these words, this is the blood of the covenant, the blood that ratifies and seals the covenant. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and the sacred vessels. In fact, under the law, almost everything is purified by means of blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin and its guilt, nor remission for the due and merited punishment. Now imagine, release from sin by this offering of blood of goats and calves under the old for a time. How much more will they be released from sin by the once-for-all sacrifice of the blood of Jesus? Okay. By means, we read this, it is necessary for the earthly copies of the heavenly things to be purified, but the actual heavenly things themselves required far better and nobler sacrifices, for Christ has not entered into a sanctuary made with human hands, only a copy or a pattern or a type, but he has entered into heaven itself now to appear in the very presence of God on our behalf. <laughs> Your sins have been completely atoned for. It's not about what you do, how you say sorry. It's about the sacrifice that was offered. So if the high priest made a mess of the sacrifice, then sorry for you. But our high priest didn't make a mess. And that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews is we have a high priest who have entered into the real Holy of Holies with his own blood, with perfect blood. Now he can offer us a New Testament based on better promises and better sacrifices. A better sacrifice. <laughs> okay. Now, I just want to read, well, over the time, I just want to read the first bit of Psalm 91. Having read all of this, I just want to read this to you. And you have some homework. Go read Psalm 91 and meditate on it. Seeing how the copy or the pattern has been fulfilled and how you have access to this that Moses saw. This is the Psalm of Moses. But now it's all been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Okay? So now see the picture and see how you can dwell under the shadow of the Almighty on the mercy seat, the throne of grace, the law having been satisfied with a perfect sacrifice, and you are under the wings in the very glory presence of God. That's your spiritual home. Not one day when you die, now. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. So this has always been true. So you can't go with your experiences, but you have to see the sacrifice. Yeah. 
and then go into the true spiritual place, and then this will be your reality. So there's a qualification, he who dwells. It's not just automatic for everyone, but he who dwells in the secret place. So we dwell in the secret place. Shall, shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. For then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. So if, you, if you're standing under those wings, no pestilence, no snare. No one can catch you out. No one can set a trap for you. Then he will, he, will, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. So pinion is a big feather. He will cover you with his feathers, with his pinions. And under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. So those wings is a shield and a buckler. It's like truth and faithfulness covering you. Okay? You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. So nothing can surprise you and touch you. So it's not about getting some strategy. It's about abiding. It's about going into the secret place. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. So other people's experiences is not your reference. You dwell in the secret place. Okay, only a spectator shall you be. All right, so the rest we can read. Okay, because you've made the Lord your refuge, in the most high your dwelling place. Okay, no evil shall befall you, etc. Go read the whole thing and meditate on it. So Psalm 91, if you can see the fulfillment of Hebrews 9, the fulfillment of the, the tabernacle, the fulfillment of the Ark of the Covenant in the cross, and that now you are sanctified and you can go directly to that mercy seat. You, you, there's no more veil. When Jesus was crucified, the veil was torn top to bottom. The way was opened. Daniel 9, he sanctified the most holy. He opened it up for you. It's done. The whole Hebrews, the whole uh, uh, Daniel 9 is fulfilled. Okay, so the, that means the last week of years is done. So if it's, not, if it's still to come, then the whole cross is void. Okay, so... It's all finished. Now, all that remains is we must dwell. We must go through the door, which is Jesus, and see the sacrifice that was brought for us. Your sins are forgiven. Your portion is glory. Your portion is ceaseless supply of oil. Okay. All right. So I hope this has blessed you. So... Go read Psalm 91 and think about it and meditate on it. Yeah, I think it's, it's amazing. Psalm 91 is the truth about what we're supposed to experience every day after the cross. Okay? All right. 
All right, so be blessed, everyone. Send us an email if you want to, and we'd like to hear from you. There's the email address again. But uh, yeah, have an amazing day, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning at night. All right, be blessed. Amen. Thank you.